0: Thank <laughs> you. i am alone hi there welcome to shams and rams maybe that should be the shortened version of this uh title i don't know i'm sure someone will comment in the future and tell me that's stupid it's fine welcome to sham ram though this is uh this is tom otherwise known as Top tom here on instagram and all the things uh well there's a virus happening it's been happening for a while And because of that, things are not really improving in any way. At least not where I live. So, me and uh, Sherman, who is usually on the podcast, and he's he's pretty much the co-host now. This has been decided. (sighs) Not by him, though. (laughs) I made him the co-host. He has no choice. Anyways we decided it would be in our best interest to uh not get together at this time at least not for a couple weeks uh he has family that has to work mandatorily out in the open and you know i have someone in my family that also has to do that as well so uh not to mention uh other people that would be on the podcast uh taylor for example his sister just came home from a mission there for a Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Uh, his sister came home from a mission, and he has to be quarantined alongside her for two weeks anyways, so he wouldn't be on. And uh, we have another friend, which we've been trying to get on the podcast for some time. Uh, he recently just moved back from uh, Florida. He traveled on the road all the way here um, in uh, Utah. So, from Florida to Utah, he came all the way here. He has a newborn child. Well, newborn-ish. She's like half a year old now. Finally made it, like, the other day from when I'm recording this. And he got shingles. I don't know what's worse than that. Okay, that's a lie. It, <laughs> it could get worse. But, you know not to ramble about uh making jokes about him cuz you know that's what we do as a friend group we uh we make fun of each other um anyways it's just going to be me for two to three episodes something like that two or three and yeah it would be more uh, entertaining to have the other guys here but you know this is this is what's happening now this is the world we live in so Got to deal with it, you know? So, anyways. The topic. Yeah, there's not going to be a rambling part here. I definitely can't do that on my own without the guys here. So, I'm just going to go straight to the topic. So, uh, this episode might be pretty short, actually. Uh, I'm hoping it's not too short, but we'll see what happens. Anyways, the topic. Initially, I wanted to get us all together and do a big mega episode where we all talk about this topic in particular. But because of the situation and because I need content on my own, because I don't want this podcast to, you know, have a hiatus in its infancy, I guess. So, to have it come out weekly... I'm going to do things on my own, like I said. And I definitely need this topic because this is an easy one that I can do on my own while I think of other topics uh, in the future. So, we're going to do a top 10 video games. It says games in the title, but video games of all time. And, you know, this is going to include games from all different types of uh, consoles throughout the years, all types of games, games that haven't been remade or whatever in a while. At least one I can see. I have the list in front of me, by the way. Oh, did I forget to mention? I'm recording this in my closet. I literally have a mic, which I borrowed from Sherman, sitting on my laundry, uh, my laundry hamper. I forget the name. Laundry basket. Sitting on my laundry basket in a closet. I am sitting on a folding chair, and it is very awkwardly quiet in here. Which is what I want because there are some people in this house and they're working and this is what I do because I am a starving artist. So, yay! (laughs) Anyways, this is going to include games from all sorts of things, all sorts of eras, I guess. Uh, You're probably not, you know, I got into games in a weird way. I wouldn't consider myself a super hardcore gamer. Uh, You know, I'm not like that person that has every console ever, or every game ever, and just obsessively plays, even though depending on a sequel of a game or whatever, I can do that, but it's kind of been dying down as I've gotten older, so I don't really consider myself that. But at the same time, at the same time, I don't consider myself someone who only plays a game in a blue moon isn't really into games or you know doesn't keep updated on news i'm somewhere in the middle probably middle high because i am quite a gamer but i'm not a super gamer that's that's where i that's where i reside uh i'm sure if sherman was here he'd be a little higher than that taylor's probably where i am and our friend jeff again i have to get him on the podcast we talk about him quite a bit he uh, he's probably the obsessive gamer that I'm talking about. So, so keep that in mind. Also, my first console I've ever played. I actually had two back to back in a way. That was a PlayStation One, which was just called PlayStation at the time. It's not that released PS One One whatever that one is. And uh, the other one was the Nintendo sixty four. Yeah. I started on the 64. I did not start on the NES or the SNES. Oh, sorry. I have a drink. I did not start on those. I got into playing games on those much later. And even then, most of the games on those I played in arcades. So, you know. So, the first game I ever played. This is a little history. So, this is kind of a ramble, actually. Uh the first game I ever actually played proper uh it was either it was either Crash Bandicoot the original on PS1 or Rayman the original it's one of the two I don't know I guess my uh I mean I played those but I didn't really like you know get into it as a uh, hardcore as a gamer, that didn't spark my gamerness, for lack of a better term. What spark What sparked. <laughs> what sparked it. <laughs> oh, sorry. What started my uh, game obsession is probably Time Crisis. Does anyone remember that? The old Time Crisis, where all the characters look like weirdo polygons. There's like that rich idiot who throws knives at you, and that's a crazy boss battle. And then the last guy you fight is Mad Dog, who I think is in every game. I could be wrong. Yeah, playing that, that's what really started me. That's when I took a game seriously and wanted to beat it, which uh, I think I did. I'd like to say I beat that game. I definitely got to the end. I don't know if I actually beat Mad Dog, but (sighs) that was uh, 20 plus years ago. I don't even want to you know even the attempt to think so i started with that and then if you're wondering on 64 um shoot i started with all the classics on that so uh yeah why don't we get to the list uh again actually i didn't say this this is not in any order so it's not number 10 to 1 or 1 to 10 uh it doesn't go like that they're not really in order um This list was a little bit harder because I do like more than just these 10. But these are probably the 10 that I like the most for sure. I don't know. Also, there might be some cheating. Just a little bit. I wouldn't really call it cheating. It's just sort of uh, some picks are multiples technically. But it technically counts. So... Also it's my list, so shut up. Anyways. When we get started, uh I will list them as 10 to 1, but again, it's not in a particular order. So number 10, uh, we're gonna start with one of the this might be the third or fourth game I've ever played. I could be super wrong on this. Uh also I can't tell because I'm in the closet, my computer is outside, like keeping the recording going. So, I do not know if this is recording well. So, if I'm awkwardly loud or whatever on the mic, I apologize. I can't really do anything about that. Anyways, number 10 is Super Mario 64. Which, like I said, it's probably the third or fourth game I've ever played. Um, You know, Mario is weird. I don't get excited for Mario games anymore like nowadays but whenever I play them they are fun you know what I mean it's like I'm the same thing with uh sport movies actually I never get excited when I see a new sport movie announced and then every time I watch the sport movie even though some of them are pretty redundant ah redundant. Oh, man this is gonna be bad let me take another drink Ah, uh, I don't think this drink's helping me I get a drink to help me so my mouth doesn't get dry but I think it's making it more dry this is this is terrible anyways I know that sports movies are like redundant and stuff but I end up liking them a lot um every time I watch them so I'm kind of the same way with Mario and the first Mario game I ever played proper was Mario 64 I did eventually play the older ones like Mario World and uh Advance 2 4 I can't remember I played one on the Game Boy Advance, I played one on the old Game Boy, I can't remember the titles anymore, but, no, Super Mario 64 was one of the games that, like most kids, I was obsessed with, I had to get all the stars, and I did, but it took forever, because I was a stupid kid, so, that, and yeah, I even fell for that trick of how to get Luigi and the fountain thing at the boo place i can't remember what that place is in the castle i call it the boo place because that's where the boos stalk you or at least one of them does so yeah a lot of good memories there uh you know getting the bowser like i see that bowser fight now and it's very by the book easy but you know at the time at the time that was a really annoying fight uh both boss fights was there only two i can't remember that you know the the levels are very iconic, like I can remember which walls to clip through so you can get further into the level, you know stuff like that um that that game was just you know that's sort of like the standard that Mario should be held to, and in all fairness, Mario Odyssey is pretty this it's the closest game they've made to sixty four so my odyssey is not on this list so you know don't expect that but still regardless uh 64 was 64 was a time man that was a time the 64 era was pretty great especially like you know thinking about it afterwards that was oh man i really liked that 64 was a good console not gonna lie other than that, what else do I say about Mario? I mean, it's it's Mario. Everyone knows him. Like, the Italian plumber who's a midget who is made by Japanese people. What else do you say? He steps on turtles and goes for pipes. Uh, well, I can say I like Luigi better, which is why I wanted that uh, that uh, fountain thing to be real. What's it called? Uh... Oh yeah, a lie. The fountain thing was a lie. That was a very disappointing lie. Honestly, I think that's worse than the Mew under the truck. Does anyone remember that? I know Sherman does. Let me take another drink. Oh man, you're going to hear me swallowing crap. This is bad. (laughs) Uh, Does anyone remember the Mew truck thing? Where they're like, you can get a Mew by looking under the truck after doing, I don't know, some sacred ritual blood sacrifice. I don't remember. I don't remember. I just remember Mew was under a truck and he never was. There was another hack glitch thing that got you Mew for sure. It didn't involve a truck. I don't know. Why don't we move on? Because I can ramble a little bit more. Uh, Number 9 is, uh, this is an interesting pick, and this might surprise uh, some people I know, Uh, Chrono Trigger. Now, I didn't play Chrono Trigger at the time it released. I played it on the DS. I borrowed it from Sherman. Again, Sherman. Uh, I borrowed it from him. And I played through it thinking that it was just going to be a whatever casual play. And I ended up loving the crap out of it. Now, RPGs are pretty great. Most RPGs are pretty great. I wouldn't say I'm a super RPG player, because I have played certain ones that I absolutely failed at, because I wasn't smart enough to tactically take advantage of the systems and, you know, fight really hard bosses. One I can think of now is uh, Lost Odyssey. There is a particular boss on the first... I believe that game was four discs long or something. Came out on the 360. It was nuts. But I think it was the last boss on the first disc. And he was impossible. And, you know, that's just an example. Uh, But no, when it comes to, like, proper challenging... You know, like, that, I really went through uh, Chrono Trigger pretty fast, too. Took me like three days to beat it. Uh, If anyone's wondering, no, I did not save uh, Chrono, because I didn't know about how to do that. So, you know, that's a thing. Anyways, that guy's pretty good. I like the time travel thing. I like that you can go in the medieval time, and there's like a frog guy. That's a whole thing. And then you can go into the future, get like a what is he? Is he a robot? I can't remember. You get some uh, Big Daddy looking guy to join the team, and you know that's the that's the other thing. You can have a big stupid team of people, like it's ridiculous. Now that game's great. Uh, What was the other RPG? There were two RPGs that I was thinking of. Um, uh, What was the other one? I was deciding between Chrono Trigger and another one. And I ended up choosing this one. What was it? Is it behind me? I have a shelf of games behind me. Nope. I can't remember what the other one was. It doesn't matter, it's not on the list, but yeah no. (sighs) Wasn't that frog guy just called Frog? That's so weird. You would think they would come up with a clever name. But I guess they were like, oh he's a he's a frog. Whatever. (sighs) Alright. That was number nine. Number eight. Portal two And I played this on the PlayStation 3 at the time. This one is behind me on the shelf. Uh where there it is, I saw it. Portal, man. So I actually played Portal 2 before I played Portal One. And when it was when the game was getting announced and stuff, and I swear the wait for this game was painfully long. Um it's not the most painful one. Uh there's another one on my list that's even longer. But I remember waiting for this game, and and my uh, friend, or uh, I had a friend in Paradigm named Craig, and uh, he was telling me about Portal, the, the first one, and I was asking him, like, do I need to play Portal 1 or whatever, and he's like, I don't think so. He ended up being right. You don't technically need to play Portal 1. They definitely allude to Portal 1 happening, but all you really need to know is uh, the cake's a huge lie which i'm sure anyone even people that don't know the game have heard that before the cake is a huge lie but you know i was told that and it was like oh okay um i think the thing i like most about portal 2 is well one shooting the portals and solving puzzles but i like the other things the improvements i did end up playing portal one later down the line but um But no, they did some huge improvements on Portal 2. You know, the paint gimmick where certain paint makes you bounce high or stops you on your track or sticks you to the wall. You know, stuff like that. Uh, There might be some other things. It's been a while since I played that one. But, you know, that was all good. Uh, Getting more lore and story is always nice. Uh, I, I play games now for story stuff and I love it a lot. And, yeah, what what else do you... Oh, multiplayer. That game had multiplayer. Well, you play two different robot characters named uh, Atlas and Peabody. There we go. Uh, that multiplayer is also great. I Anyone who hasn't played it and wants to play it, I recommend playing the solo campaign first and then playing the multiplayer with someone because that's kind of how it goes chronologically, if I'm not mistaken uh also there's a character my favorite character in the game uh a lot of people would say glados and glados is great uh i actually really liked wheatley i can't really say too much about wheatley other than other than he is an english voice robot ball voiced by steven merchant which is already a win but i digress uh that game's great it has a good sense of humor the puzzles are great and well thought out. The mechanic again of the uh the portal is fantastic. So. Do I have to lean in closer? I feel like I was echoing there for a second. No, no. Portal's great. Did I mention that already? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I gotta say, recording by yourself is weird. I kind of like it. No one else is going to like it, but I like it. Alright. Just really quickly, because I did have a particular something on my list, but I'm switching it out for a different game. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but I'm switching it out. Because another one just popped in my head that I like more. That's not the next one, though. The next one is, uh, what are we on, seven? Yeah, number seven. Batman Arkham Asylum. Asylum in particular. Now, if I was smart, I would put the series as a whole on. Because I do like the series. Yeah. Even Origins. Origins. I already mentioned this. We did a podcast uh, talking about batman arkham series um it's kind of a disaster honestly uh we recorded that while playing a game Uh, i'm sure you've listened to it by now but i've already kind of explained a few things but i'll try to do it here really briefly uh i should like the series as a whole because i like all of them i like the story of all of them i like the connectivity i like you know everything characters all the villains that show up are really nice Uh, Obviously, I like the combat system. Um, Arkham Asylum, in particular, introduced this Arkham combat system, and many games afterwards have taken inspiration from it, or, you know, straight up stole the idea, but, you know, I digress. Again, a lot of digression here. So, why Asylum again? Well, it was the first one i got it the day it came out man did you just hear my stomach stomach's going nuts i'm attempting this keto diet thing it's mostly going well i have my moments but you know my stomach's freaking out now maybe this should be a shortened podcast oh man this is a train wreck anyways I pick Arkham Asylum because I played it the year it came out, which was 2009. And, again, like I mentioned on the prior podcast, so this might sound familiar. This was, you know, hot off the heels of the Dark Knight movie coming out. And uh, the way I described it, I can't remember if I described it on that prior podcast, but um, I liked Batman... And then i played arkham asylum i loved batman does that make sense like like it's like what people say about um what is it iron man was that the one where they're like i liked iron man from the comics and when he shows up and stuff but after seeing robert downey jr play him in that first movie i love iron man now you know it's kind of like that like you know you always like something but there's That one thing in particular that makes you love it even more. You know what I mean? That was Arkham Asylum for me. Yes, playing it again, which I did go through and beat that pretty recently. It is a little archaic. It is very simplistic compared to its sequels. Uh, If Taylor was here, he would stress how much he likes Arkham City. That's his, like, favorite of the arkham franchise i guess uh he likes that one because of the component he likes the open world thing i'm kind of the opposite i like the uh more metroidvania sort of 3d aspect of uh going through you know claustrophobic hallways and stuff trying to get to places uh the closest to like open world is like you know those three sections of the Arkham Island I can go to, but other than that, it's not really an open world thing at all. So you know, I like it for that. I also like it because it actually takes place in the asylum. The uh the namesake. It's you know, before it went ridiculously overboard with uh making a big city and then and then in Origins, Blackgate shows up kind of and then uh Really nothing at all till like the very end of night, so Yeah, no. Arkham Asylum man. Also, Scarecrow. I will never stop talking about Scarecrow. I can talk about him more here. I don't have the guys to stop me. I'm gonna talk about Scarecrow. The Scarecrow levels are amazing. And yes, I love when the game glitches out. I love I love when that stuff happens. I love when it catches you off guard. Well not anymore, since We all know it happens at a certain point now in the game every time you go back and play it. But the first time, the first time you play it, it is fantastic. Yeah, that game's great. I highly recommend that. They do have a re-release version for Xbox One and PS4. It also comes with City. I think you can buy it on its own, though, like digitally. So do that. And do yourself a favor and buy the other ones, too. That, that whole series is great. Uh, you know, don't pay attention to people that complain about Origins or Knights. They, they're they just nitpicking, man. That, that whole franchise is pretty great. Go play it. Alright, uh, number... Oh, number six, wow. Uh, almost halfway there? Pretty much halfway there. Number six is uh, the first proper cheat, like I was mentioning earlier, but it technically counts because they're all connected in a way. This is kind of what I was saying about uh, the last one, or the last listing of Arkham being, I should have said, the whole series. This is the Bioshock series. Now, when did I play this? I played this in like 2009, 2010? a few years after it came out initially. And actually it was uh just before 2 came out because I was reading a I think I was reading like a game informer about 2 and I thought it looked really cool because I never heard about the game up to that point and I was like I need to play one. I got one, played it. That first that intro, man, in the first BioShock game that intro into the game and its world and everything, man, does that stay with you? That stays with you, man. Like, the game, I wouldn't consider that game a scary game per se. It definitely has ambiance and elements of a scary game. I wouldn't consider it a scary game, though. It's more of an ominous adventure. That's what I'm going to call it ominous adventure. Yeah, but that first level, the first time you play it, I stress this, the first time, it it stays with you, man. It, like, like that first time I played it, I played it with a, a neighbor kid who, uh, yeah, he was kind of a friend. But, you know, he came over and, like, we played for it the first time and he was, man, he did not like it. It, it freaked him out so bad. He had to go home, and yeah, honestly, that night after playing it, like I was up, I stayed up all night, like thinking about like that first impression. Like that's how strong the first impression of that game is. Like it stuck with me, you know. It was it was that intense. Very good introduction to the game, and yeah, like I said, it's a series, so this includes. Bioshock 1, Bioshock 2, yes, Bioshock 2, don't at me. And uh, Bioshock Infinite, which is... uh, Bioshock 1 and Infinite are definitely the ones that are the most on the list, I would say. I count Bioshock 2, though, because honestly, in that one, it's so fun to play a big daddy. And it's so fun to have a drill weapon. And the system of helping the... uh, they're like these uh, possessed girls called little sisters. And there's a mechanic where they have to get a thing called... I'm not going to get too much into it because I don't want to like confuse people, but that haven't played it, I mean. Uh, you help them get injections from dead bodies called Adam And while they're doing that, and it's kind of a time-based system, there's a bunch of enemies that are trying to go after the little sister to get the Atom and the little sister, I guess. So you have to like defend her while she's doing it and you have to make sure no one like interrupts her in the process of getting at that's a whole system and i mean that's fun but going back to number one uh number one though like i said that that intro is amazing the game is great having uh you know left and white or left i need another drink Ah, oh, jeez. Come on, stay in there, Tom. Uh, they have the left and right based weapon system where your right weapon is a gun or a melee weapon and then the left one is an elemental based component. Uh, you know, I mentioned Adam and then there's also the other injection called Eve. I believe Adam regenerates Eve or gives you more Eve, something like that. And basically you got elemental powers that come out of your other hand and it's all injection based thing like needles and you know, stuff. So your character can like shoot fire, like shoot ice. Uh, A very popular one is you can just shoot bees like bees just come out of your hand, which is amazing, you know, stuff like that. And it's basically a whole system of uh, I believe the first game you couldn't have both out at the same time. You actually had to switch between one hand or the other. So it was sort of a strategy in a way to be like, all right, do I shoot bees at this guy and then start shooting? Or do I shoot, get his health low enough, and then shoot fire? You know you know what I mean? Like, that stuff was just great. The only, the only downside, yes, I am mentioning a downside on the top game of all time thing, is probably the final boss for sure. It's not a probably. It's that, yeah. The final boss is like, it's not awful. I feel like people talk about it as awful and I think they're just using words for the sake of using words. You know what I mean? It's not awful. It's just kind of out of place and kind of unexpected because the game that you've played up to that point just doesn't, It's just kind of weird. You wouldn't expect that. You know what I mean? So. But it's not awful. Other than that. That is a really, really good game. And uh, I already talked about Bioshock 2. You play as a big daddy in that one. And a big daddy is. uh, Well, just look at a Bioshock cover. It's the big, like, submarine looking guy. He's got, like, the multiple portholes. He's got the big drill hand. They're called Big Daddies, you know. You know they're they're the guardians of the little sisters in the way. So, yeah, that's great. And then in Infinite, Infinite is Infinite is the one I was talking about that felt like the wait was forever because I think that game was announced in 2009, and I don't think it came out until 2013, something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, that was a long wait, and. I... That was the one game that I pre-ordered initially. And I pre-ordered it like two years prior to it releasing. And slowly over time, I made enough money where I actually got the... Uh, the big... I think it was called the Songbird Edition. came like with a little statue of a creature called a Songbird. Which is basically the big daddy of that game. And it came with a bunch of other interesting things. And like a mini poster and stuff. That... I really like that uh, Collector's Edition. Um, I'm not really one to do Collector's Editions, especially now, because it's usually not worth the money at all. And, you know, like... You know, you hear a lot of cases where, like, the statues and stuff just aren't as good as you would want them to be when you get them, so... And plus, they're way too much money. So, Collector's Editions are, like... Unless you really like the thing or like the look of a thing, I would not recommend doing collector's editions ever. But I did do that one for Infinite, and it was definitely worth it. I really liked that one. So, yay. So, Infinite's different. Uh, just really quickly before I move on. So, the first two Bioshock games take place. Uh, this is sort of the setting, right? It's a city underwater. One that you access by a lighthouse at the beginning of the first game. And then in Infinite, it's a city in the sky in 1910? 1902? Something around there? So, like, both games kind of have like a weird steampunk-style element to them. Sort of like advanced, archaic technology. And, yeah, so Infinite... Is in the sky, and you also get there by going in a lighthouse and getting shot up into the sky. And yes, if you're wondering if all games are connected, uh play them. <laughs> uh the only things you really need to think about uh or know before going into the games is Bioshock 1 and 2, it's sort of about a dystopia sort of uh, a person that had a certain way of thinking and understanding the world, for lack of a better term. And he created the city to... So basically the premise of every game is some guy creates a city because, for lack of a better term, he gives the middle finger to society and he wants to create his own. And then, you know, something goes wrong. Uh, In the case of Bioshock 1 and 2... Something went wrong before you got there for sure. And then in Infinite, you're there when the wrong is about to happen. And in Infinite's case, uh, it is sort of like a younger American society, you know, very, very early 1900s. And it's with people that kind of believe in a pure, perfect American, like the true America and uh, i think yeah the city's actually called columbia like come on and that one kind of has like questionable choices but in terms of the story it makes sense because the people that live in the city think this way because they're being led astray in a way like there's a cult like a cult of crow people and they they are basically born from the KKK, like stuff like that. Like there's literally a picture in, uh, you go into their cults, uh, building or whatever. And there's literally a picture. I'm not joking. There is a picture that you see in the wall where they have like John Wilkes Booth that, you know, the guy who assassinated Lincoln. Um, sorry, I was itching my foot. So if I got louder, sorry. Um, They literally have him, like, all angelic and crap. And then they have a picture of Lincoln, like, looking like the devil. Like, that's... That's how that game was. It's part of the story. Like, the people were led astray by their leader or whatever. The cult's nuts. I don't know. Like, you know, there's stuff like that. There's... There's choices with, like... Again, race and stuff. Like, minorities are treated bad here because, again, they believe that's the pure America. So, like... You know, other than that stuff, if if you don't think that stuff will bother you, the game's great. It has really good story, all, all three games. highly recommend playing the Bioshock series. They do have a collection of all the games, including all of the DLC and story add-on content. Uh, Minerva's Den is a very good one to play as well. Uh, they have all that on the PS4 and the Xbox One. Definitely recommend playing through that, getting that. Um, it should be super cheap by now, so go ahead and get it, if you want. Alright, let's see, where are we? The next one, which is... Duh, 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 number 5? Yeah, number 5. This is a fairly recent one. I think it came out like 2-3 years ago. By the time of this recording, I mean. Resident Evil 7. RE7 Biohazard, or as it's called in Japan, I guess, Biohazard 7 Resident Evil. Ah, that's so weird. Anyways, this might seem weird. Now, if you ever hear people talk about the Resident Evil series, which all you really need to know about it is it's about like an evil corporation that makes zombies and like experiments with different zombie types, and then you have to stop them. That's basically the easiest, simple premise I can come up with with a series. And before you, you know, ask or think, I have played through most of them. I actually own all of them except Code Veronica. So the ones I played through are one, two, four mostly, five a little, seven. I do have all the other ones. At the time of this recording as well, the Resident Evil 3 remake is actually coming out tonight, and I will be playing that for sure. I already got it pre-ordered, but... Other than that, I gotta play for that. I gotta play for... I gotta beat four. Uh, I only stopped playing for it because, you know, life be that way sometimes. And I need to play for 5 with someone... I might actually do that with Jeff in the future. We'll see. And, uh, you know, I've heard 6 is awful. But I have to experience it. I have to. And, of course, I got Rev 1 and 2. Revelations, that is. And then you get Copernica. And uh, I'm going to see if I can play for Outbreak or whatever on PC. But that's just me thinking ahead. Why uh, 7 Now, I think people can agree, at least fans, for the most part, like more hardcore fans than me, would agree that 7 is a good one, but it's probably not on their favorite. might be on their list, but it might be like number 5, and they probably have like number 2 or 4 as number 1. Here's the thing. I never really got into Resident Evil at the time. Now, let me take a drink before I talk about this. Ah oh, man, I wonder if going to be that one person that counts how many times I take a drink. So, up until RA7 was announced, the only thing I ever really did was I played a little bit of 5, but I had no idea what was going on and I didn't really understand it or care for it at the time. So I kind of sold it back. And then I've only seen a little bit of gameplay of 4 on the uh, the Wii, the Nintendo Wii. Just a little bit from what Sherman and Jeff were playing. But other than that, never really cared about Resident Evil. Uh, also at the time Resident Evil was like new uh, 1 and 2 and 3 in particular. At that time it was sort of like I wasn't really into scary games or you know whatever uh i definitely am now scary games are great they're my favorite genre now but at the time i never really got into that stuff and yeah i never really paid attention and then i got into the scary stuff and then i was thinking should i play for resident evil it's kind of an older series i don't know how relevant it is now uh last i heard six was bad so i don't know if it's worth playing And then, you know, they revealed RE7, and I thought RE7 looked incredible. I liked the first person. I liked that you're trapped with, like, crazy redneck family. And sort of like a weird ghostly ambiance, even though that's not actually... There's no ghosts at all, really, in the game. You'd have to play it. But, you know, that happened, and then it was like, Is this going to be connected? And I remember asking uh, Jeff, who is a big Resident Evil person, uh, I remember asking, like, is Resident Evil 7 going to be, like, part of the story or whatever? Or is it going to be, like, a reboot? And, you know, he was like, I have no idea. It says 7 in the title, but I have no idea. So at the time, I ended up uh, buying and playing through uh, one a little bit. Before seven came out, but I would consider seven my first proper Resident Evil playthrough, and uh, I like it a lot. Um, the sole reason why seven is on my list is just because it got me into the series, and I I can't ignore that. I appreciate it a lot, and again, that's not to say like I feel like I'm almost talking about like seven isn't as good as the other one. Seven is just as good as one or two or three or four those are the ones that people talk about so it's just as good as those it's it's just that seven was the one that got me into it so seven is the one on my list um if you're wondering the other ones i like um i do like re1 uh the hd remaster i guess is what it's called or what people call REMake, or, you know, Remake. I like that one. I, you know, it's a, it's a bit older or whatever, and it's got the uh, tank control system, which, if you don't know what that is, that's basically moving your character and stuff with a D-pad, and you actually have to rotate your character and then move forward. It's uh, You'd have to play it for yourself. It's kind of complicated to talk about, but... I think, I think I explained it. You know what? Screw it. I explained it well. Uh, you know, it has that, but I like it. I like being in the mansion. Um, that game takes place... major. The whole game basically takes place in a mansion. And the mansion is overrun by, you know, legit zombies and zombie dogs. And there's a giant snake boss named uh, Yon. I always want to say Sloth, but it's Yon, right? That's the name of the snake? I don't know. That one's good. Uh, In terms of... uh, Other games... uh, Remake 2... I really liked. Remake 2 was done very well. And that one used... uh, So RE7 used an engine called the RE Engine. Which... Basically what they do... They make it look pretty realistic actually. uh, In terms of uh, items and stuff. They actually take like a perfect photo like uh best example is uh they show this guy eating a hamburger at the very beginning of rem- remake 2 and like the hamburger looks very good like very realistic in a weird way like you can even see the grease on it it's crazy but basically what they do is they take a perfect photo of a thing and then they basically implement that photo on a model and then put it into the game and they're the uh re engine is uh intended to be used to like always have these assets available so like if they have to put another again example hamburger in another scene they just take the same hamburger because you know it's a really good looking hamburger so no one's gonna question it like remake two is great i have very high hopes for remake three i did play the demo it's going to be good I don't know if it's going to be as good as 2, but it's going to be good. And, uh, you know, I I played mostly for 4, like I mentioned. 4 is good. 4 also has tank controls. It's a little bit different, though, because the character is closer to the screen. That was the first game where it became more proper, like... Because the game, up, game series up to that point is, like, survival horror in the sense that You have a limited supply of ammo and you have to be very tactical and strategic and actually think whether it's worth wasting bullets into a certain zombie or if you should get out of the way and use it for something else because you never know. But 4 was the first one that's like more of an action game. So it's a bit different. Uh, Again, I've only played a little bit of 5 and not really 6 and I know that those ones become more action heavy. So we'll see how that turns out. But 4 is good too. It hasn't really reached the great point that some people seem to really like about it. Uh, I will hopefully get there soon. You know what? This might actually sound silly in the future. Uh, Once they make uh, Remake 4, it's going to happen. It's going to happen like two years from now. A year, maybe a year. I'm going to say a year, a year and a half or something. But it's going to happen. Well, before I drag any further, uh, RE7 is good. Will they do an RE8? I hope so. And I hope it's first-person sort of similar style to RE7. I would like to think that, you know, there's sort of like trilogies in between the series and that 7, 8, and 9 are going to be the first-person survival horror like trilogy. So, yeah, let's see. Um, There actually is a rumor... There was a rumor that came out that's like, uh, and I'm only mentioning this, so if I listen back to it after RE8 is announced, uh, I'm going to be like real surprised or really not at all. But RE8 is rumored to be like in a castle in the snow, like a more legit castle with like werewolf enemies. So that'll be cool if that's true. I don't know. All right, let's get to the next one, which is uh, number four. Yeah, number four. We're about to get to the obvious ones on the list because, of course, they're on my list. If you've listened to at least one of the prior episodes, you've probably heard me and Taylor gush about this game a little bit. The Last of Us now. Up to this point zombie games were kind of getting a little tired because everything was a zombie game. I mean, up to this point, we've had, like, the 15th, like, Nazi zombies thing, and we've had some other knockoff-style things and other zombie-based games that never really went anywhere. Like, there was literally a point where everyone was like, oh, another zombie game. Like, that actually happened. And... Then this game was announced. And everyone initially was like, another zombie game. Ah, man. But then you realize that it's a new premise. That it's mushroom zombies. And then suddenly everyone goes, ooh, mushroom zombies. Oh, it's made from Naughty Dog, the guys that make Uncharted. Wow. Okay, this might be good. And it proceeded to be very praised and much beloved by so many people. Uh, And I really don't have to talk about that. Um, I mean, there are definitely people that are like... It's a good game, but I'm not obsessed with it. And uh, I thought I was kind of one of those people initially. But like the more I think about it, the more it's like... I actually really like the system that they go for in this game. Now, another series from the same people that I played is Uncharted. And I do like Uncharted, but... I've always had one issue with Uncharted, which the more of the Uncharted sequels i played through, and yes, I have played through all of them. I think I still need to beat one of them, but I digress again. The biggest issue I had with Uncharted is uh, I was more about the exploration part. Like the part where you have to climb a mountain or go into a sacred temple and solve a puzzle. Like i really like that stuff as soon as you have like idiots come in with guns and you have to become a shooter game i was like i do not like this like not only do they throw so many enemies at you not only do they throw it in at random like in between puzzles even i just i guess it never really flowed that well with me and uh again i have a I have a sister that like really likes the uncharted series and it's like good for her but i like that stuff really like gets in the way for me and unfortunately um again that's not to say i hate the game series at all i do like it it is a better series than most series i've played but man i so i bring that up because this game has a similar style um last of us i mean has a similar style to their combat system but they make it a survival situation so they don't throw in that many enemies for a start they only throw in like maybe four or five in a certain area at most and again this is human enemies uh i'm not counting zombie enemies because zombie enemies are definitely a different beast human enemies They don't throw in that many. Not enough that it's overwhelming like in Uncharted. The game stresses that maybe you should walk past them or, you know, stealthily take them out. Because, like, despite being very little people, they do make them pretty tough to fight. And, you know, there's other systems of, like, hiding around and stuff that they add. And, like, throwing, like, you know a glass bottle to distract them and stuff like the way this game does it is very good i really like it it is a system that i greatly appreciate and of course being like a post apocalyptic game that like takes place in a world where plants have overgrown and you know some mushroom foliage here and there which kind of indicates a threat like, there is a lot to explore in this first game, and it's amazing. I like it. And the game still looks really good. They very quickly released a remastered for the PlayStation 4, which was... So the game came out, like, 2014? 2013? Yeah, 2013, I think. It came out on the PlayStation 3, like, at the end of its lifespan. And then 4 came out, and then it quickly, quickly they did a remaster. And it is a very good remaster. The game still looks great. At the time of this recording, again, uh, Last of Us Part 2 is supposed to come out at the end of May. That's still the plan. They might change it after this recording. We'll see. Um, I feel like everything is cancel, cancel uh, culture now. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it comes out and we can all sing Kumbaya. Although that one is supposed to be darker, more mature, and more aggressive and intense. We'll see. We'll see how it goes because uh, I, I have a feeling it might go too far. That's not to say the game will be bad. I just think the sequel might go a bit too far with the uh, the murderness. You know what I mean? Well, Can you blame me? Last of Us is pretty good. So the next one. um, I just want to say first, if you thought there was not going to be a Pokemon game on this list, you're crazy. I mean, the fact that we did two episodes prior of a top six Pokemon listing, that should tell you that uh, I'm a big Pokemon fan. Uh, Sorry, I took another drink. What is that, number seven? So I guess the question is... Uh, I could talk about my favorite creatures for sure in the series. I can talk about my favorite attacks. I can talk about all that stuff. But here's the ultimate question. What Pokemon games are my favorite? Again... Uh, why do I keep saying again like I already mentioned this? It's so weird. But... Anyways... Not only are there the core games, which, if you're wondering, the core games are the colored titles. So, like red, blue, gold, silver, black, and white. Those are the core series games. Like the proper RPG adventure games, where you go out, get the badges, and beat the Elite Four. Sometimes, depends on the game you're playing. And, you know, win and become, I guess, a hero? I don't know. It's Pokémon. But which ones are my favorite? Because besides those ones, there's also other spin-off games. Uh, there is like what's it called? Pokémon Conquest, which is a Nobunaga crossover, which is more of a like tactical game. And then you have like Pokémon Tournament, which is pretty popular and that one's currently out on the Switch, and it is a great game. That is not on this list. I do have two though. Out of all the Pokemon games. And I really did think about this. Because there's a lot of them I do like playing. And I have played a majority of them. There are two in particular that I have put on this list. Here we go. Pokemon Stadium 2. As my spin-off game. That came out on the 64. And the other one. Which is part of the core game. Franchise I guess. Pokemon Emerald. Now, I almost put Soul Silver on here, cause I don't think I've mentioned this in this podcast, but Gen Two is my favorite. And I thought, in terms of like a continuing sequel of uh, the original concept of like Red and Blue and Yellow, I thought Gold, Silver, and Crystal did the best, and the the remake games are no different. Uh, I like the system in those games where you can go back to the Kanto region and fight those gyms again. I like that you can refight Red, and Red's like the strongest he's ever been. And, of course, I like that the region is conveniently close by, and there is a lot of new Pokemon, but not too much that's overwhelming, if you know what I mean. And a lot of those new Pokemon really did mesh well with the Kanto region mons. So that's why I was considering Soul Silver in particular on my list. But the more I thought about it, of all the games I played in the Pokemon series, the one that I've put <sighs> stupid hours amount in, the one that I played the most and the hardest is Emerald. Now Emerald is... So they used to do director's cut esque games, so Emerald is like the director cut esque game to Ruby and Sapphire versions on uh that one's on the Game Boy Advance, by the way. Um I should mention that. And Emerald did it best because you could play for the main game, it gives you the proper story, including like all the legendaries in question. You can get the main legendary cover character. As well as the two from Ruby and Sapphire. All in one game. After you beat the game in the Elite Four. You can refight them all. If I'm not mistaken. You can definitely refight them all. But not only that. uh, You can go to the Safari Zone. And there's a new expansion to it. And when you go through all that. You can catch all sorts of Gen 2 mons. Which I greatly appreciate. Because I like Gen 2 like I said. Not only that. There's the Battle Frontier, which you can do all sorts of crazy competitive battles there. And on top of that, you can explore a cave with Smeargle. And I know that sounds weird to say, because Smeargle's not the best Mon ever. But that cave was very convenient for grinding and leveling your guys. Like, that game had a lot. That was probably the first game that they made that just had a bunch of like end game contents and it definitely kept you busy for a long time i greatly like i greatly appreciated i very much liked that it was very good it was the most intense that i've ever like was into a pokemon game uh the only other ones i can think of is technically diamond version but that's just because i did the uh, complete desk that, oh man i need a drink ah oh man sorry that was the one that i completed my pokédex got all i guess at the time it was like 400 something guys which is crazy and then the other game that i've played quite a bit was uh is actually pretty recently uh sword and shield version uh sword in particular because i'm trying to complete the decks in that too because i want to do the shiny hunting which yeah but you know that's emerald now me talk about stadium two very quickly because um that one's worth mentioning that one was also a 64 game which yeah i mean i think some people would put stadium one and two or just stadium one I put 2 because, again, I like Gen 2. And they have Gen 2. Don't at me. I like Gen 2. Gen 2 is very good. But also... That one is basically just the same game, but with more mons. And, like, they have new uh, mini-games and stuff that are a lot of fun. I think some of the older mini-games came back, too, from Stadium 1. I can't remember. But, uh... I don't know. I really like the Stadium games. I honestly... I'm one of those people that still hope for a uh, stadium three or these games being re-released or something on the switch because I really like the stadium games. I liked the way they were designed and stuff. Heck, I even like the announcer guy. I love that announcer guy when you actually do the battles and he announces what attacks and stuff you do. I love that guy. So yeah, those are my picks. Uh, You know, there's just, there's so many good ones. Like, I could have put XD or Colosseum or, I guess, Pokemon Tournament. But, like, those are the ones I picked. So, I think they're good picks. Alright, number two. We're almost done. Number two. I accidentally wrote the wrong, I I misspelled it, kind of, autocorrects. Uh, correct is sometimes the worst. Uh, number two is Undertale. Now, I forced. Uh, there's actually is a stream, in parts, of me, uh, Taylor and his brother Josh. Uh, mostly Josh playing though. Uh, there's a stream where I'm introducing the game and I'm making them play through it. And they weren't sure about it, and I was like, "Trust me, you will end up really liking this." And uh, I think at the end of it all, I made Josh a true fan. Josh loves it. Taylor likes the story and characters, at least. And that's good enough for me. But anyways, Undertale is an interesting one because I was a huge fan of the game before I actually played it. I did that. Now, I watched uh well I heard about the game and I saw that on some reviews it got perfect scores, which was crazy to me. And then I started watching the stream, uh I can't even remember uh I was watching someone on YouTube play for the game and go for like the entire uh pacifist storyline and Ah oh, man, it's it's one of those things that you see and you just love it before you play it. And Undertale has like the best characters and The best characters, like, the best, like, look in terms of the world that is built. And it has, like, a really good sense of humor that I greatly appreciate. Now, for most people, the humor hits at different areas. For Taylor and Josh, it was when uh, the two Skeleton brothers showed up. Because uh, part of the reason why I wanted them to play it is because those two brother characters are them. Like, 100%. And you know for other people it hits like sometime after that or before that it depends on the person but and then again for some people they play through it and they're like uh i remember jeff in particular being like i don't know if i like this story i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna like it i don't know if it's gonna get better and then he plays a little bit more and he's like yeah this is this is great like Like, that's the other interesting thing about the game. It hits people at a different part of the game. Which could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you see it. But See, I was different. I was immediately hooked on the game as soon as it started. I knew that the game was going to be very, very different, very unique as soon as it started. Uh, The system of, like, please don't hurt anyone, don't kill anyone. Uh, It will help you in the end. And, like, the game actually makes you feel bad. Like, that's, that's the thing about the game that's crazy. Like, you know, I forgot to mention for Pokemon just real quickly, like, Pokemon was the first series to be like, what if you caught the RPG uh, creatures that normally you would just fight and then get EXP and then move on? Undertale is like, what if we gave you the option to fight someone or not fight someone? And if you do fight them and you do defeat them, and you do get the rewards, we're going to make you feel really bad about it. And, oh man. Like, if you ever do play Undertale, which I did end up playing Undertale afterward. Again, I said there was a stream that we were playing through together. Mostly Josh, but still. Definitely play through Pacifist first. So you can do Pacifist, Neutral, or or Bad, I guess. Or genocide is what it's called. Sorry. Now, a lot of people say, like, you you know, just play it. Uh, just play it on your own initially. Do your own choices. And then you can do pacifist and then do genocide. I would say play it on your own. But try not to kill people. Because the, then once you do go into the game again and you want to do the pacifist run... You basically already checklisted a lot of things, so you can just play through it fine and don't have to worry about starting over proper. Um, I'm sure some people won't agree with me on that, but that's kind of how we did it with Taylor and Josh, and uh, honestly, I preferred that way. And then play Genocide and then really hate yourself for, like, killing off your favorite character, because trust me, it, it hurts, man. It hurts yeah, Undertale's great, um, oh, if you're wondering what the autocorrect said, uh, it spelt it Undertake on my phone, I am, I do have the list on my phone, so, that's pretty funny, uh, oh, and if you're wondering, there is a kind of sequel, not really, called Deltarune, that you can play, I believe, a free version right now, which is just chapter one, and then the proper game will come out, and, like, Maybe a year or two from now, from this recording, but we'll see. Uh, that's another thing that's interesting about the game. The entire game is basically made by, like, a guy named Toby Fox, who also does the music for the game. And then he gets, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, there's a character in it, uh, Timmy or whatever. I think that's her name. Uh, Temi Cat. It's... There are certain characters that are inspired by the people that made the game. So there's a Toby dog, which is just a little white dog. It kind of looks like my dog. And then, uh, and then there's Timmy cat, which is named after the artist who uh, did the, uh, all the like 16 bit, eight bit style art in the game. So yeah, like good on them. Really great music too. Since I mentioned that undertale has like some of the best, like video game music I've heard. And that alone is worth like all the reward. In fact, they actually got this guy to do or help with the music, or he did at least one of the tracks for uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. So that's awesome. Yeah, highly recommend this. Uh, thankfully, this is like one of the cheaper games, unless you try to buy the physical versions or collector's versions. This game's like ten bucks or something, probably fifteen. I think it's ten. So, it's a very cheap game. Very easy to get. I believe it's on all platforms now. I think Xbox. I don't know. But, go ahead and get it. It's great. Alright. We're on the last one, but I'm going to take one big drink before I get there. Oh, man. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Pepper 10. Alright. The last one. Now, if if my friends right now, if Sherman, if you're listening to this, you're probably surprised that I haven't talked about Dark Souls yet. Well, I got there. Now, we've had this discussion between like my friend group and stuff, and I've seen the discussions online as well. Which Dark Souls is the best Dark Souls? Now, when I say Dark Souls, I'm including everything. Not just. Dark Souls one, two, and three. So, so it also includes like Sekiro, for example. Like, which of these uh, are the best? And honestly, I have two final picks for very different reasons. I would say my personal favorite in terms of looks, feeling. ...design... ...and inspiration... ...Bloodborne. Bloodborne is great. It's got that... ...Gothic Edgar Allan ...HP Lovecraft... ...stuff going on. I think it's fantastic. But in terms of a game... ...that has the best of everything... ...from Dark Souls 1... ...to Bloodborne... ...to Demon Souls... ...even... Dark Souls number 3 takes the cake. So I would say in terms of the best game in terms of gameplay and and accessibility, Dark Souls 3, but in terms of a good spin-off like game that is basically its own unique thing, we'll see if Bloodborne 2 happens, but I don't think it will. In terms of a unique thing, Bloodborne is my favorite, probably my all-time favorite. I actually did go back and forth quite a bit on 3 and Bloodborne. Now, for those who don't know, Dark Souls is a hard game series. The entire game, it is sort of a RPG-style game with items and grinding and leveling up uh, stats and stuff but the entire game is designed to be difficult and challenging so bosses can really beat you down but one of the best things that uh the company which is actually just called from software for those who don't know the best thing that they do is this feeling that you get when you, you know you fight a boss and it really stresses you out and stuff cuz the boss seems impossible but when you finally figure it out and do beat the boss it is the greatest feeling you will ever get now some people would say dark souls 1 and to be fair dark souls 1 has very classic iconic bosses as well as level level levels areas i should say and other things, like armor sets, for example. Dark Souls 2. It's not a bad game, but it's definitely the weakest of the series. Uh, the only thing that I can really remember that's actually really good about that game is uh, probably the opening cinematic, but also like the hype behind a sequel was real. So there's that. And then Bloodborne is a, an exclusive to PlayStation 4. It is instead of like the medieval dragons and stuff that Dark Souls does as well as Demon Souls. I'll get to Demon Souls in a second. Bloodborne was the first one to be like, "Let's do a European style I don't want to use the word steampunk, but kind of true sort of world where like, the characters you play as, you can choose trick weapons that, like, can switch from being, like, a short blade to a long blade. Or, um, the one that's a personal favorite of mine and a lot of people like is the one with the with the axe, where you can have it as, like, a one-handed axe, like a hatchet, and you can switch it to a long axe and do a crazy double-swing attack. Like, that whole thing is great. Um... The entire, uh, just the entire look of that game is great. Um, another thing to mention is, uh, for those who, again, don't know, is uh, the whole premise of the game and why it's hard is uh, a lot of enemies are really challenging to fight. And then when you die, you lose everything. You go back to a prior checkpoint, which is usually bonfires in the game. And uh, all enemies come back to life. And the only way to get your stuff back is to go back where you died and pick it up sometimes. If you die before getting there, you will lose everything. And, you know, this is just a few of the things that make the Dark Souls series so challenging. But um, I have played through all of them, except two. Two is... Oh, man. two's the one. You know what I mean? Like, I was mentioning like earlier how like there's always that one thing that you really love out of things you like this is the opposite of that this is this is that one thing in a series that you love that is easily the weakest and it's hard for you to be like i also like that one this is that's dark sue dark dark sue (laughs) dark sue uh that's dark souls 2 for me yeah but again like i said dark souls dark souls three like really was really smart in taking all the best components, like I said, so it takes a lot of components from bloodborne a lot of mechanics as well as uh as well as like the deep, like updated graphics um there's even a place in the game like an area that's basically bloodborne and Another thing it does is it plays on nostalgia a little bit. It brings some familiar places from the prior games as well as uh, as well as I believe you can get the old armor classes. Um, the knight and the one from Dark Souls 2 which I can't remember what that one's called. Uh, you know, familiar characters return from the past games. Um, and yeah, like like I said that game just takes the best. Like even Demon Souls which... For those who don't know, Demon Souls is technically the start of what birthed Dark Souls as a franchise. Uh, Demon Souls was initially made by Atlas, and then and then uh, Atlas didn't have the rights or whatever, or FromSoft took inspiration. I can't remember, but Demon Souls was kind of the first, and Demon Souls is good and liked by a lot of people, but it's definitely dated now, but. <sighs> There is talks of a remake of that. We'll see if that happens. Supposedly it's coming from the guys who did um, Shadow of the Colossus remake, which was fantastic. So we'll see. But again, I like both those games for those different reasons. And it was very hard for me to decide one or the other. So I just put both on because this will be a forever battle until... You know, maybe one day a third entry comes in. That's just better than those two. We'll see. Maybe that will be Elden Ring. I don't know. Elden Ring's weird. There's people with fake arms in that one. More fake than Sekiro's one fake arm. Uh, What am I saying? Well, that was my list. So, man, if you actually stayed and listened to this whole thing, I congratulate you. You did a you did a good job. Because I don't think I can even listen to this when I'm done with it. It's going to be hard to listen to this when I edit this. Oh, man. Well, if you did listen to all of it, thanks a lot. I'm going to do my tabs now. And I probably should have done this at the start. Because I doubt anyone will listen this far. But regardless, um, here are my tabs. You can find me. On Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. You can even find me on Etsy shop. I do have a store. It is all under the name Topple That's T-O-P-P-L-E-T-O-M-R. Not E-R. M-R. T-O-M-R. Again, that's T-O-P-P-L-E-T-O-M-R. You can find me there. Uh, in the shop, I have a lot of shirt designs that I've been doing. So, uh, if you know, if you want to go there, check it out. Maybe do a purchase. That would I would. I mean, if you do buy something, I greatly appreciate it. It helps me in the long run. So, thank you a lot. Um, on Instagram, I do a lot of uh, interesting art pieces. I do. Uh, I do a lot of fake Mons. I do a lot of us. Uh, Star Wars, like, fan art, and then I do, like, a bunch of other random things. I do some creepy art here and there. Um, I like the scary stuff, so yeah. You can look at all that stuff. Uh, Twitter is mostly an update place, which I should also mention, I do have a Twitch channel. I will be playing RE3. I will be playing it before you listen to this, so you're only gonna see and highlighted version of the re3 play so look forward to that and uh well we'll see what happens with this uh covid nonsense still going on you know maybe i could see if uh i can get sherman or someone to also do something similar to this i don't think they'd want to do it on their own but we'll see maybe i'll make them do their uh top 10 favorite video game list um Sherman would be an interesting one. He's way better at talking than me. So he would definitely give more information and explanation to why he likes things. So maybe that will happen. I don't know. We'll see. Again, thank you for listening. We'll see where this goes. And until then, goodbye. Thank you. How do I stop this? I have no idea. I am going to set the mic down.